together You're walking or riding A long open road With your best friend driving Share from the heart And we'll all start vibing Hey old friends Welcome to On Guiding On Guiding is a podcast Dedicated to open-minded And open-hearted communication By sharing stories Through the lens of how we guide And are guided By internal and external forces on Guiding aims to awaken or reacquaint us with the guiding spirit inside ourselves. On this episode of On Guiding, we're joined by Stella Faye Metzner. Stella has a wide array of talents and a robust list of creative credits to her name. Whether she's working as a fashion stylist, running a small business, or offering her time and energy as a healer, Stella loves guiding her clients and friends towards finding greater self-expression and helping them overcome feelings of stuckness within themselves or in their relationships. We started our conversation by diving into how guiding shows up in her life and reminiscing about where we met in Brooklyn over a decade ago. Hi, Stella. Hey, Sam. How's it going? Uh, pretty good. Pretty interesting day. Feeling uh, low energy mode today little sad but good Any, anything in, in particular contributing to that no I'm not not sure there's probably like lots of little things here and there but no nothing nothing prevalent nothing big okay I mean, there's, there's nothing like going on in the world right now that could bum anybody out is there right no mm -mm. it's pretty like pretty easy going even keel yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it partially has to do with the world, um, for sure. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's uh, it's certainly an interesting time. I have a friend who always hated the adjective interesting. And she would be like, don't, you know, don't say interesting, because that's like a, a cop out. But in this case, I can't really come up with a better adjective than interesting because, yeah. you know, <laughs> there are just so many unknowns. It's a great time for guides. This yeah. is a, you know, I feel like guides are being called in to be of service right now. And, and um, that's one of the reasons why I'm excited to be doing this podcast. Yeah, me too. What does guiding mean to you? <sighs> that is a beautiful question. I guess I've never really liked being told what to do. And I also uh, very often have asked for advice and not followed it. So I don't think of guidance that way. And I feel like it's more, it's more subtle and actually more can be more intensely strong in that subtlety of somebody sort of showing you the way or something showing you the way on your already sort of your, your path is kind of there already. Like, um, I was one time I was out in the woods and I just saw all these, um, like I kept seeing all these little glints of light and like looked like all these little like pathways of light. And I realized it was like the, the 
the pathways of these different bugs, like before and after them, just like how they were moving in the light. And I kind of felt like, oh, wow, it's like our paths are laid out before us, you know? I feel like guidance kind of just helps us to stay on that path that we're meant to be on and to jump back in in our purpose. There's a certain amount of like letting you do it your own way, but also supporting you enough where you don't just completely fly off the handle. Right. Boundaries instead of control. Ooh, I like that a lot. Um, Yeah, that's something I feel I have a lot of work to do on, especially with parenting. Mm. Because I feel boundaries are really important, especially for kids who don't think that they need to have rules or boundaries, you know, but I, I think that it's healthy to really put, you know, to put those boundaries for safety, but not to be controlling and and have everything be like perfect, you know, like letting, letting people mess up. I mean, and then letting people like make messes and make mistakes. I think that those things apply as much to um, young people as they do to adults as well. Um, and, and, And that's, you know, that's why I think sort of guiding roles are important um, throughout our lives. And, and, you know, certainly the parenting figure is, is someone that you're with early on for a long stretch of time. But, um, you know, even that relationship morphs and changes throughout the lifetime of, of um, that guiding role. But it's interesting. There's a, there's a segue here that fits in nicely with something that I wanted to talk to you about bridging the gap of, of childhood and, and adulthood. So you co-ran a, a, like a very special place um, in Brooklyn many years ago called Spacecraft. Um, and, you know, maybe I'll just let you tell us a little bit about what that place was like. Yeah, so... Not only did I co-run it, but we co-thought of it, <laughs> co-invented it, co-built it, and co-ran it. And um, yeah, and it was an arts and crafts boutique in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. And we owned it from and ran it from 2008 to 2011. And it was really fun because people could come in and... Um, any of any age could come in and make stuff and uh, create whatever they wanted. There was a menu of crafts and then there was also just um, workshops and you could also just come in and make whatever you wanted from the supplies that we had. And yeah, it was really fun. It was definitely like I was super young and in Brooklyn and just like really uh, loving that work. And we, we were bleeding money, but having so much fun for three years. Well, yeah. And, and, you know, having been there and, and sort of witnessed this fun happening, um, you know, a lot of the things that you said a few minutes ago about allowing people to make mistakes, but sort of being there 
to, you know, give them ideas, provide them with tools to learn with. Um, and, you know, I, I would say that the mix for me, at least, you, know, you were there obviously more often than I was, but like, I feel like when I would come in, the, the mix was like 50, 50 of, of adults and kids. And sometimes yeah, I think the adults were having as much fun, if not more fun, getting to be able to have that kind of environment. Totally. And also like so many like kids would just come in and do whatever and not have any qualms, you know, but the older they got and the more, and mostly with adults, they would come in and they'd be like, Oh, I'm not an artist. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do this. And we'd be like, Oh, you don't have to be an artist. You know, you just like, just try it. And then they would make the most amazing things that were like, we could have never even thought of them, you know, and they would be, they'd be like, Oh, you know, help me. And I can't do this. And we'd be like, Oh no, I just, you know, put this on or put that on or, or you got this, you know, and they would just like make the most wild things that were just so cool. And they're like, I'm not an artist. Wait, so, so your, your partner, Christina, yeah. Tell me a little bit more about how you guys co-created this. Well, it's interesting that you asked that because that's actually something I've been thinking about a lot lately um, in terms of like my own drive and will to do things and my own excitement in, in life to like create things. But basically we were walking down the street one day and we have, we both have little kids and we were just like in the strollers and we were, we had, we passed this like, uh, um, like those places that you can come in and make, they have like ceramics and you can decorate them. And we were like, Oh, we should do that. We should go in there. And I was like, Oh, we need a place like this in Brooklyn. And I was like, but it should be like, way cooler than this where you could do anything like these you know we don't want to just like make something that's already done like paint something that's already done you know like it it should have this and this and that and and so like a menu of crafts you can do and Christina was like oh my god yeah let's do it and she was like so what 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 I've been thinking about lately in terms of my own like driving creativity is like having a collaborator you know and how fun that is in life to like, uh, have somebody that not, not only like, can you spark the idea, but then have somebody that like is equally as into it and ready to just like jam on it and work hard towards this dream in this, with the same fire that you are. Sort of this yin yang kind of like twin, twin flames, like chasing each other around. Um, and, and, you know, when one is sort of waxing, one is waning and, and vice versa. And, you know, sort of being able to complement where each other needs some help, um, you know, maybe staying focused or, or one, when one is energetically low, the other one, you know, seems to show up energetically higher. Um, that, that, that is a really special dynamic and um you know one one to look out for and then see like who shows up like that for you in your life yeah yeah I was I've just been thinking about like all the many things that I've done in my life and I was thinking like all of the ones that really 
you know, uh, have like fully manifested were because, you know, it was, it wasn't, it was an idea that then I like said to somebody and they were like, yeah, I'm in. And so that, that extra, that spark, that like sort of not just a cheerleader, but like a real and really involved, you know, collaborator, it really helps. And I've been wondering like where it is, like why I don't do that for myself, I guess. And, and if that is a possibility in life, like there are people that just do things on their own, you know, and they cheerlead themselves and collaborate with themselves. And I prefer to have like a, a co-conspirator. But at the end of the day, you know, even if you start your own business and you put out your shingle, like the road that takes people there, that road was built probably with everybody's tax dollars and, and you know, built by a hundred uh, men and women who were laying the road and, and, you know, like there, there's all of this collaboration that goes into the beautiful things that we create all the time. Um, and it's, you know, a lot of it is behind the scenes. Yeah, that's true. I love that you brought up the community aspect and because it really does, I've been finding so much how it takes a, like a village, you know, really to do to, to make a garden or to make a child or, you know, to, to, to even just to raise yourself, you know, it's, it, it's so much better with that, um, handholding and, uh, idea bouncing and laughter and, you know, song singing and all of that. Shedding light on how guides of all types can help strengthen the bonds of community and promote joyful expression is certainly a perspective that I love to highlight. I wanted to dive into one of the supportive guiding roles that I know Stella best for, and that's her role as a teacher and advocate for the healing power of Reiki. The Reiki that I practiced is from the Usui lineage, lineage, um, and it was brought um, to America by a woman, actually, um, Takata is her last name and um but it's originally from Japan and there's a belief that it actually um was around for thousands of years before um Usui rediscovered it and that it's possible it's from India but there is also there is like Tibetan Reiki and there is Indian Reiki and um, it, it's really just a healing energy massage. Uh, some people do light touch, some people do no touch, um, but it helps to create um, balance and to remove energetic blockages, mental, physical, emotional stresses and blockages. And um, yeah, it's super soothing and helpful and uh, helps people to heal themselves. It's connecting your client with a, like a, connecting them with Reiki healing energy, which is universal love energy. How I learned it anyway. That's what I learned. Um, yeah, and um, it's interesting that you're talking about Reiki. Interesting. Because um, that is the one area where I feel very much like a guide. And um, I am, and, I, and that I have many guides still, 
in Reiki and that I feel super connected with my Reiki master and all of our lineage. And it is a place where I feel um, strong enough in my own knowledge and in my own practice and in my own teaching to teach Reiki and to guide um, people into that path. When you are grounded in, in the guiding energy, I think it's, it's apparent um, and people connect to it. And again, it sort of falls into this category um, like you were talking about before, where instead of it coming off as like preachy or somebody telling you what to do or, you know, trying to tell you your business or something that, you know, it falls into that category. It's more like, wow, these are some interesting perspectives about this thing that I also love that I've never encountered before. And, you know, I, I want to listen to them and I, and I want to hear them and, and, you know, take on the ones that are, that feel good to me and, you know, not necessarily feel like I have to take on everything, but, you know, that's, that's where a lot, I think, of growing and sharing can, can occur when the dynamic feels like that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know something that you really, really taught me about that um, is, you know, another word you just said, which is listening and, and how like, as I grow older, I'm really doing a lot more listening. And I feel like as I do that, everyone becomes a guide. Everything is a guide. Everything is, you know, um, yeah, just like helping me to guide me on my path. One of my favorite ideas that has its root in, in Buddhism is to see the Buddha in, in all things or, or, you know, to see the teacher in, in all things. And I remember like one of the first times that that really hit home for me, I was sitting on a bench and it was this old wooden bench um, in a forest and, you know, it had a great, you know, the, the, the place was just, the energy was dialed in, right? And this bench was just there and it was perfect and I was sitting on it. And I was thinking to myself, you know, how can I learn from this bench? Like, how can I be bench for people? Because there are times when that's all someone needs is like, a nice piece of wood to sit on to soak in the energy of a place. And, you know, I, I think that we can as individuals be that in a way for each other sometimes. Yeah. You just reminded me of this one time I was in a ceremony and um, I really wanted to go outside and I wasn't able to go outside and I just laid down on this table and I listened. The table was wood and it was, you know, it was made of wood. And I, it was the closest I could get to nature and to the outside. And I just listened to the table and it felt so good to like connect with the wood on the table. And that was all I needed, you know, and I love the idea of, of becoming the bench or becoming the table or becoming the you know, the object or the feeling, um, that, and, and like really opening up to listening to that. 
Um, yeah, I actually thought of something really cool too about Reiki, um, which is that like I'm a Reiki master, which just means teacher. And it just means I'm, um, at the level of where I can teach. And I teach level one and level two, and I can teach master, um, and I can teach holy fire, but there is so much more to Reiki and it's just feels endless. I've been doing a lot of more reading about it and reading from some of my favorite books on Reiki. And it just, it just continues to amaze me and it continues to connect to so many other healing practices. And I feel like they're all really connected that way. All the alternative healing practices. Yeah. I mean, I I was, and then continued to be astounded by the Reiki practice that, that I have been a part of. And one of the things that really strikes me about it is that, you know, kind of like what you're saying with the, the different terminology of master and teacher, that there is this sort of core element of it that says, you know, the, the person who is working with the Reiki is, is like, is not some important, like super powerful entity. It's, it's more like this person has said yes to the role of conduit and Mm -hmm. is like allowing the, the beauty and the love of the universe to, to flow through them. Um, and, you know, one, one of the greatest gifts of it is like, not only does the person who is quote unquote, you know, the client receiving the Reiki, but like the, the practitioner is also like gifted with this incredible opportunity to connect with that universal love during the whole process. Yeah, totally. Really well said. Yeah. You just, you're, there's no ego involved. And even though you learn how to do it, there's no wrong or right way. It's just, you're just a channel for the energy and just a channel for the messages to come through. The thing is with Reiki is everybody can do Reiki. Everybody knows how to do Reiki. It's just reminding you how to do it. Yeah. Absolutely. My goal with this podcast is to remind people that there's so much inner wisdom and there are so many guides inside. Um, you know, and, and so to kind of segue into another topic here, tell me, you know, you mentioned um, your womb, your, I think your heart as well. Like tell, tell me about some of your internal guides. Yeah, cool. I have different animals that also um, guide me a lot that I believe also live within my body. And most recently, I've been working with jaguar. And uh, because I've been really wanting to be quicker in my body, in certain parts of my body. And I was working with a friend of mine who is a somatic healer and she does all these kinds of different exercises and we were kind of just like playing around exercising at her house and she was like use your tail 
use your tail, growl, you know, and make jaguar noises and like follow your tail because that's how the jaguar moves. And so now like when I do handstands and certain things like that, or when I move my body, when I'm exercising, I really try to move with my tail. And, and I feel like when I use my tail first, like I can jump into a handstand easier. And, you know, so that's, that's one guide. Um, I also have a wolf that has been with me for a very long time. And that's, um, wolf is a, is a teacher. Wolf reminds us of how we are, how we can become teachers too. And, uh, so that's a really, a really great guide. And she's like very patient and, uh, yeah, always, always with me. Very quiet. Yeah. And I have others. Tell me about yours. Well, you know, one that immediately speaks to me and, and that um, I also am very grateful to, to walk with on my path is, is Wolf as well. Um, and I feel like I've known the Wolf that I walk with for as long as I can remember. I feel that Wolf is, is certainly one of my greatest guides, teachers, um, protectors. Mm. I feel like a lot of people walk with Wolf. Um, or maybe I should say that Wolf walks with a lot of people. Um, and I, I really try to show people that like one of the things that I used to do when I lived in Brooklyn, uh, what I called um, community house. Mm-hmm. And, and this was where, you know, around the full moon or actually on, you know, on the full moon night, I would message my friends and, and, you know, make these public announcements that we were all going to gather in a, in a green space, particularly McCarran park um, you know, take our, our shoes off and, and stand in the grass. And as the, the moon came up, we would howl to her. And, you know, I would say at first, a lot of people were like, wow, you're really a strange person. Um, you know, after a few months of doing this, they were very well attended. Um, and really like, incredible experiences to be there with, you know, some, sometimes there were people I knew well, sometimes it was like somebody that I had been friends with you know, on Facebook with for a while, but like, you know, hadn't really talked to them ever. Um, and this person would just like send me a message and say like, Oh, you know, I'm interested in coming to this. I'm going to come. And I'm like, good. And, uh, you know, like to be standing next to somebody with your feet in the dirt like howling at the moon, like it's, it's visceral. And, you know, it's, it's like, you feel it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I even, I remember actually you're reminding me of um, like before you and I, like we were friends, you know, a long time ago at spacecraft and then we didn't um, connect for a long time. 
kept in touch. But then I remember there was like something going on in my life. I don't remember what it was, but I remember just like one night just feeling like howling and just like sort of calling out, like I was calling out for something, you know? And I just remember that. And then, and then I feel like it was like the next day or that week or something you contacted me and then we became really good friends again, you know? And it was like, that's what I was calling out for, you know, like my wolf friend. It sure does feel good when we're running with the pack, right? When working in these ethereal realms, I'm always grateful for my friends and guides. Recently, Stella invited me to participate with her in a very special sweat ceremony. I was not able to leave my post here at Sapaland to join her in New York, but I invited her to share about the transformational experiences and the guides that show up in these sacred spaces. When you ask for the sweat, when you ask for the, the sweat, it, it begins a prayer. And the prayer is, has already started with you um, asking. So when I asked Thomas to run the sweat, the prayer already started, which means that you know, everything leading up to the sweat is part of the sweat. And then the sweat lodge is, um, you begin by gathering, uh, lots of firewood and chopping it. And then also, um, building a lodge and, uh, they've already, usually he already has sweat stones from his river and other places, but, you basically, um, you heat up these stones, uh, by, with a fire outside of the lodge. And then you, everybody goes into the lodge and prays on for the person who the sweat is for, or for the idea that the sweat is for, for the prayer, whatever the prayer is. And by praying, they're singing songs, there's some talking and there's water, sacred water being poured on these sacred stones. And the belief is that these stones have a message and the water has a message and the fire, the fire has a message and each of them working together and the earth too, you know, all of it together, each of them working together, all these elements brings your prayer to the elementals and to the God spirits and to you know, whoever is out there in the ether um, and whatever is out there, it brings those messages there and creates this prayer. And then the prayer is answered in whatever way it's answered. Like it could mean, you know, it could be that there is no answer and that's the answer. Um, But usually there is, it's a really, really strong, powerful uh, tool and a mechanism for getting answers and for, I I don't believe I've ever been to a sweat that doesn't, something doesn't come through very strongly, either in the sweat or right afterwards. Feels like a a really beautiful description um, and like a very accessible description of, you know, these ceremonies that I, I've also, um, I feel fortunate to have been a part of, of several different sweats in, in 
different parts of the world, um, facilitated by some really incredible groups. Um, and that, that's a, a beautiful way to, to put it of, of what's going on. Um, and, you know, the, the fact that so many people around the world use this type of setting and activity to get in touch with the elementals for me is not coincidence. And they can be very cathartic, clearing, uplifting experiences. And I'm grateful that the sort of wisdom keepers that brought them to me are keeping them around for, for society. Yeah, it's, it's, really, it's really good medicine. Yeah, I mean, Thomas also was like, you know, you got to be really intentional with your prayer and really careful, you know, with your words and with your prayer because these, thing, it really, these things really work, you know? Like, it's, it's no coincidence that it's practiced all over the world. That wisdom, you know, like not only your own inner wisdom and what comes through, but what comes through each person and their words and then what comes through the stones and what comes through the water and what comes through the ether, you know, like there's, there's a lot of different guides in there. And then our ancestors too. I mean, you're bringing in a lot of ancestors uh, when you're doing that kind of a thing too. To all my relations. Mm, yeah. Is the way that uh, I know I've, I've heard it spoken about in English. Another thought that came through for me was this idea of, of it being a womb. Um, mm, yeah. Like dark space. And you, um, at least the, the ones that I've been a part of, you get down on your, your hands and knees and you crawl into um, this space. Um, and it's, pitch black inside except for perhaps when um the stones come in and they're you know burning red um and there's a little bit of light coming from them um and then you know the the four rounds or the or the four doors um you know some light comes in depending on what time of day the sweat's taking place but um you know and then at the end of the ceremony this feeling of sort of being birthed out anew um, because you're, you're sort of like covered in all of these juices, you know, you're, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and um, you know, that's, that's really, um, you know, that, that, that's an image that's coming through for me right now. I love that. Thank you. Thank you for that reminder. Well, one question that I ask, sort of at the end of, of on guiding segments, what are some things that you want to share or that you're looking for help with? You know, it seems like a very intense time and a lot of people feel like they just want to go back. I mean, even my son has said it before, like I just wanted to go back to the way it was. And, you know, and, and we're spending a lot of time and a lot of money um, figuring out how to get comfortable with um, our new ways of living, doing the, doing the same things that we used to do in a new way, 
And to me, it feels like a lot of time and money could be spent more on education or alternative ways of healing and healthcare and how to, how to, how to keep, how to help us to boost our immune systems to not get sick so that we can, you know, be more connected with each other and with the natural world and, and ways for that everyone can have food sovereignty and health sovereignty. And, uh, to me, it feels like I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm being clear, but like, yeah, not going back to, to these things that weren't necessarily working or helping us. We're looking out into an unknown and that can be stressful and energy sucking. You know, what I try to remind myself is that anything can be scary and energy sucking. And it's my ability to respond to those things in different ways and the practices that I take up to help me respond to them in the ways that I want to that are really more important. Getting back to that comfort zone, I, I think is, is not the, the way to move because that, that sort of keeps us stagnant or keeps me stagnant when, when that's my goal. If I'm standing on the threshold of, of my comfort zone, um, you know, and, and things are feeling uneasy or, or unwell, um, you know, if I sort of turn back, that, that comfort zone never gets expanded. One of the activities that I have used in, in my guiding life quite frequently, especially when it comes to working with um, students or, or young people um, in, a, in, a, in a setting where we're trying to uh, introduce them to rock climbing is, is this, yeah. is this tool of, of sort of looking at comfort zones and, and how they can benefit us and how they can hold us back. And, and basically imagine a, um, a bullseye, right? And so the, the center circle of the bullseye is, is your, your comfort zone. Right. And, um, you know, the, like within the sort of second circle out, that's your, your stretch zone. And then there's like a, a third circle outside of that, that is the, the panic zone. And so things that kind of bring you out into the panic zone, they don't allow you to like come out of your comfort zone because you get out there and you feel so out of whack that you have to retreat. Um, but if you can spend some time in that second circle in that stretch zone um, and, you know, because of the tools that you brought there um, because of the, the presence of your inner guides and hopefully some external guides as well, you can stay in that stretch zone for a little while. Then you know, that stretch zone sort of becomes your, your expanded comfort zone. Right. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, for, for me, 
I think it's, it's part of all, it's about finding this equilibrium because I'm, I'm not going to say like, Oh, comfort zone is bad. You should always be trying to like stretch yourself and grow like endlessly all the time. Because I mean, that, that is not, in my opinion, sustainable. Like it's nice right. to have like a nice cozy bed to go and curl up on with like, you know, a good book or, or maybe like, an episode of Netflix of one of your favorite shows. Um, right. But if that, you know, place becomes your only place, then perhaps, you know, it's time to spend some more time in the stretch zone. There's a lot of times when I am freaking out inside about the unknown and just you know, like, uh, and sometimes outside too, but, but it's like, just baby steps and taking the next, next step and reaching out for help. Like I, I'm really good at asking for help. One thing that I know about myself is I, I love, love, love to give that to other people and that helps me with asking people for help because I know how much I love to help people. And so I think, well, if I love that so much, then other people must love that too. What a wonderful reminder, Stella, because like, I, I feel like one of the things that I hear and I certainly feel myself thinking sometimes too, is like, Oh, I don't want to be a burden, you know? And, and, what a wonderful reminder you just gave us. People love to help each other. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, like w- w- what a gift it is to, to ask for help and, and to be asked for help. So thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you for your help. You always help me out. <laughs> As we wind our ways along our paths, Asking for help or helping others is a wonderful way to invoke the guiding spirit. Having the courage and willingness to be vulnerable and taking opportunities for deep self-reflection can be great tools to deepen the practice of walking with all our guides. Thanks for joining us on this episode of On Guiding. We'll be listening for your how. As the host of On Guiding, I'm so grateful for the time and energy that our guests and team of collaborators offer to make this vision come to life. Special thanks to our executive producer, Julia Garofalo, and to our audio engineer and co-producer, Matt Einseidler. Most of this podcast is recorded at Sattvaland, an off-grid permaculture farm and retreat center in Belize. Original music for this podcast is recorded at Pineapple Hill Studios. If you have any thoughts or ideas about this project, please contact us at onguidingpodcast at gmail.com. See you next time. Many thanks. Much love.